you guys ready to go for a ride? Amen. Almost like the Indy 500 this weekend and all that. But I'm going to take you on a little on a little journey today, and uh, I want to start off. I, I I think that what I'm about to share with you and try to get it out as clear as possible. God woke me up in the middle of the night. I got up and wrote it all down, uh, some other stuff all down, and laid back down. And by the time that happened, it was 3 in the morning. And by the time I got up, it was 6 in the morning. And then, <laughs> so it's been marinating. And, and when God calls you to do something, don't hit the snooze button. Get up. There's a reason. He's saying something. There's a reason. Your dreams aren't just like weird pizza and, and, and tea. There's probably a reason. You know, like. People do that, but if, if, if God talks about dreams and visions in the Word of God, take heed to that in your personal life. Right. He's trying to speak to you in a different way. So, I believe that this is going to, it can affect everybody. We've been in this, we declare war for a season, and we've been pinpointing and putting a target out there, and it's all about family. And we know for a fact that it is, it is vital to pray, protect, do whatever we can for family. I don't know if you've been in prayer. I, I know all of us probably had said a prayer under our breath and took a deep breath as we watched the whole country go to a stop when somebody careless goes into a school and destroys lives. And we know that the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. Right. And we see it physically happening with careless acts and careless killings in grocery stores or wherever the case is and all this stuff going on and it is vital that we 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 pray it's vital that we we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against the powers of darkness this ain't a physical thing here it becomes physical it looks physical but the enemy is after your soul your family he wants to steal kill and destroy it we've seen this we watch this unfold and we see pictures and we see all this stuff and we're saying, we've been saying it for weeks. We declare war for our families. Not today, Satan. Devil, you can't have our families. And it's vital. And sometimes it's touchy because what we talk about can get a little personal and it can hurt and it can feel uncomfortable. And what happens sometimes is what we see in the youth at times when we start talking, we see teenagers start like moving around. Somehow they have to go to the restroom at the same time towards the end of the sermon. Um, but what it is is the conviction of the Holy Spirit trying to con connect with what is being, being said. And, and when you allow the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit does best, it brings it to the light and you have freedom. You have hope. You have all this stuff that is going to bring life to you. And I'm telling you that in these moments, family is vital. And I want to talk to you for a few moments I'm going to look at a scripture in Ezekiel, completely going to be a little different. So we're going to go on a journey. I'm going to take you through a walk on this. Ezekiel 43, verse 12 and 13. This is the law of the house. This is the law of the house. I need your help real quick. Everybody say law of the house. This is the law of the house. You ever said that to your kids? This is the rule. This is the law of the house. Yeah. Okay, well, hear what God is saying today. This is the law of the house. He's not only saying it once, he's saying it twice. The whole area surrounding. 
surrounded the mountain is the is most holy. Behold, behold me, stand in awe and be amazed. This is the law. Behold, this is the law of the temple. Behold, this is the law of the house. He's trying to get something across. That is this. If you want me, God says, if you want me, then this is the law of the house. If you want me, because, man, we, we pick and choose God like, like, we treat God like some crazy stuff. You know what I mean? Like, we just pull him out when we want to. Sometimes we treat him like a little doggy, get him out of the cage, take him for a walk. We treat him like so many other things. We don't really treat him as who he really is. And so if you really want God fully, not when it's convenient for you, yeah. this is the law of the house. And this is what he says in the next verse. These are the measurements of the altar in cubits. The cubit is one cubit and one handbreadth. One cubit and one handbreadth. That's all for that description. The common measurement, you got to go with me, I'm going to take you for a ride real quick. The common measurement in the Bible is given as a measurement of a man's hand. Noah first mentions this term, cubit. Everybody say cubit. Good, we're together here. Noah first mentions this in the Bible. Cubit is how everything was measured in the Bible. They didn't have measuring sticks. They didn't have a measuring tape. They didn't have anything else. But by a handbreadth or the distance between the pinky finger and the pointer finger is how they made a measurement. They didn't have anything else with it. And so they had to measure it between the finger and it's called the handbreadth. And the way you measure it would be measured with your arm. Hannah, show me that picture real quick. So what they would do is from the crease of the elbow to the tip of your hand is how they would measure one handbreadth. I've done this over and over, so if you want to help me, little little, little fun thing here today, is take your hand and put your thumb in, hold these together, put it right here in the crease. I've done it over and over, unless you have a weird arm, some people have weird arms, within a small bit, it will measure out six. So when you go, there's one, there's two, three, four, five, six. Unless your arm's weird. I've done it over and over. Most people, it will measure out to six within a little bit on the tip. So one handbreadth, all the way one cubit is six handbreadths. Does that make sense if we're on the same picture? Okay, I'm telling you, we're going through a little ride today. So one cubit of a man is six handbreadth. When you put it out there, it usually measures six. I, and I've done it over and over. My wife, the 
listen, we don't even talk a lot like we talk a lot, but like about the sermon. <laughs> it sounded so bad. But <laughs> because when we when we speak together, or if I'm just speaking or if she's speaking or whatever, I want the Holy Spirit to also do a work in my life personally. I want him to do a work in her life, and she's same way, that we're not trying to talk everything out and then go up here and just I want the room to breathe and let the Holy Spirit do what it needs to do, bring oxygen to what we're trying to get across. And so we don't talk, I, I, I told her earlier, and she's going to watch this when this week sometime, and she goes, why do you keep measuring, why do you keep telling me to measure my hand, what are you doing, why do you keep doing that? I'm like, you just see, you'll see. And so, so when you measure it out, one handbreadth, all the way up to the tip is six. One cubit is six handbreadth. I've done it over and over. And this is how they would do measurements. When you look at the cubits and you look at the measurements, they would talk about measuring. They had no tape. They had nothing. So they would use their arm and make this measurement for how many cubits that it needs to be. When God told Noah to build the ark for the saving of his family, he told him how many cubits, and they didn't have any tape or anything or any engineering stuff, any way to make a measurement, but through a cubit, which was a measurement of a hand. From the elbow to the end of the finger, which was six handbreadths. Now what's interesting in the word cubit in Hebrew language, the name is Amah, A-M-M-A-H, which means the mother or the beginning. Cubit in Hebrew means Amah, which is the mother or the beginning. So get this. Now, in Jewish synagogues, when they're teaching, they're teaching that your arm, which is in the scripture, a cubit of a man, they're teaching that part of the elbow to the hand is the mother of the arm. This is the mother of the arm. Why? Why would they call this the mother? Because whatever the mind can imagine, it's not enough to imagine it. Hands have the ability to be created and to create. And so the reason it's called the mother of the arm is because it gives birth to it. So, and, and they teach it today, that in the Jewish synagogues, that this part of the arm is the mother of the arm. Whatever you think, and whatever you can do, you can put your hands to and give birth to whatever you can imagine. We're sitting in chairs that somebody gave birth to. This room, the design, however it went, it gave birth to it. So they, they call it the mother of the arm. It's not enough to think it. It has to be worked out with your hands. And six cubits, which the number of six is the number of man. And six cubits is worked out to, or six hand width is worked out to one cubit. And what's crazy is a lot of times you look throughout the Bible, he worked six days and God said, we're going to rest on the seventh day because that day belongs to me. Six is the number of human influence. Six is the number of what man can do. Six handbreadths make one cubit. It's what man can do. That's true. The cubit of a man can build a business. 
amazing things, astonishing things. We see it. We've seen it all over the place. Even on your way here, you've seen it. You're driving it. The genius of a man. It's really amazing. The ability to create, the ability to begin, the ability to release things. It's only a thought. It's only a concept until this part of the man's hand begins to build it. And then it becomes reality. It's only a thought. You won't do anything else until you put your hands to it. Here's my point. It says in John 15, 5. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. This is the point. He didn't mean you can't do some things with human ability, but you can do nothing that will have eternal consequences without him. You can do nothing that will have spiritual good or eternal good without him. Without him. Basically, without me, you can do any you can't do anything eternal. And what he's saying is, six hand is one cubit. Six represents human effort. And the six hundredths of a man represents what man can accomplish, what man can achieve. What a human can achieve. What man can achieve. The kingdoms they can build. The corporations that go all over the world. Millions and billions of dollars with this part of a hand. Nothing but intellect, nothing but influence. What man can do is unreal. It took 1,500 years from the time of Jesus to the time of Leonardo da Vinci for knowledge to double. 1,500 years. Then knowledge doubled 250 years. And then knowledge doubled just 50 years. 50 years the knowledge doubles. In 1960, knowledge began to double every 10 years. You're talking about six handbreadths to make one cubit and what a person can accomplish. Knowledge doubled in 1960 every 10 years. In 1980s, Knowledge doubled every two years because the invention of the computer. Every two years, knowledge doubled up. By the year 2000, knowledge doubled every six months. And one of the last statistics is every three months, the world knows twice as much as it did three months ago. 
Your technology that you think is so awesome, your new iPhone, they're already three months advanced to the newest technology of it. That's why every year or every so many months you, they come out with a new something. New, new download for a new, new look, new version of it, new operating system, new. Every three months, something better is in the lab as you're already looking at it. Something better is on its way. So think about what I'm telling you. I know we're going on a ride here, but think about what I'm telling you. From the Garden of Eden to where we are now, the world is a tribute to the cubit of a man's hand. As you open your Bible and read everything, and as you've seen, as you watch history and where you are today, it's a tribute to the cubit of a man's hand. The giftedness of a human being. The creativity of a man to dream something and form it to be. To split atoms. To go into space in a rocket. To let a rocket land on a floating drone. To send something to Mars. To take pictures from, from outer space to Earth. To zoom in on your location from outer space. To shoot a live video that can be seen anywhere in the world. To do all kinds of things. Every three months makes everything you have accomplished almost obsolete to what is about to come. Every three months. A human being does this with a dust body, a dust frame, a dust mind. Because that's how he created us, out of the dirt, right? Right. With hands, computers are built. GPS is built. With the cubit of a man, somehow some woman talks to you and says, Hi, I'm Siri. Hello, I'm Alexa. Now, you know we live in a crazy time when stuff's talking to us now. But because a cubit of a man, somebody could talk to us, tell us to turn left here, tell us if we want to turn it down, turn it up, tell us all this stuff. And it's the craziest thing because if you really put your mind around it, how in the heck is this even possible? But because of a cubit of a man's hand, it has been created. And stuff is built. All these things done with six handbreadths of a man. Sometimes this giftedness and this genius can rob us of the need of God. Sometimes it could rob us of the need of God. And he says six represents what man can do but there's two cubits in the Bible. There's a cubit of the six handwritten, remember? One cubit equals six handwrites. And it's only found in Ezekiel 43, as we talked about. And Ezekiel was shown a vision 
And God was trying to tell him what was going on in this vision. I know I spent a lot of time talking about what man can do. And it's pretty amazing what man can do. It's pretty amazing what you can do. It's pretty amazing what your, your abilities are. And it's pretty sad that you're not using them. But in Ezekiel, you read that God is trying to show him a vision of a place. And he's trying to tell him, this is, this is it. This is the law of the house. I want you to build me a house. A house that will endure. A house that will children will be blessed. And here's the key. It's the law of the house. This is the law. This is the law of the house. You want to be blessed? This is the law. You want to have freedom? You want to be prosperous? This is the law of the house. This is it. So notice there's a cubit, and a cubit is how many hambreds? Everybody say it. Six. Six. Then he, then he says it. He says, I need you to do one cubit, and then I need you to add one handbrake. I need it to be one cubit and one handbrake. See, sometimes you can read over the scripture and go so fast that you forget what's actually what's going on here. This is the law of the house. I need you to one cubit, six, and then I need you to add one more handbrake. And what's happening is, six, again, is the number of man. And what man can do. But he says, look, hold up. I'm going to add one more though. Because I know what, what man can do. But I have to add one more because it's what God can do with man. So we're going to add the seventh hand. We need to add one more. One more. Okay. And what he does is he adds the seventh hand. The only way you're going to build God's house, the only way that this church is going to last or do anything else is by the seventh hand. The only way. This is the law. This is it. This is what the law says. You can do all you can. You can achieve all you can. But if you don't have the seventh hand of God, you have nothing. You need the seventh hand. You need it in your family. You can do all you want. You can accomplish all you can. But if God's hand's not on it, it's not on it. It's not blessed. It needs it. That's what he was saying. You need a cubit and a handbrake. Six is the number of men. Six is one cubit and you need one more handbrake. You just need my hand. You just need that one extra hand because my hand on this is going to bless this church. My hand on your family is going to bless your family. My hand on your finances is going to bless your finances. You need the seventh hand. Yes. This is the only way you're going to build the house. This is the only way you're going to endure the 21st century. And it is getting crazy out there, but you need the hand of God on your life. Amen. This is the only way you're going to build a marriage. Only way it's ever going to last. It will not last if God's not on it. The only way you're going to raise your kids in this wicked world who have forgotten about God and have gone crazy with the seventh hand. That's the only way. The only way you're going to go is that one more time. 
This is the law of the house. You do what you can do and let me add my hand. You do all you can do. Give everything you've got. All six handbreaths. And when you give all six, let me put my hand on it. The problem people are having is they're not giving all. They're giving half and wondering where God's hand is. You give all and let me put my hand on it, he says. Because it's only going to take the seventh hand. That's the hand of God. So what you can't do on your own, the hand's going to come over your hand. And he says, I'll put my hand on your effort. I'll fill your hand with my hand. I'm going to take your hand, the seventh hand. I'm going to be the seventh head. God says, I'm going to add it to the six you've already been working on. And I'm going to be that seventh. And I'm going to complete that. Seven is the number of completion. I'm going to complete that. I don't know where you are on your hammer. I don't know which, what number you're on right now. But I'm telling you, he is faithful to complete. But you've got to be faithful to complete. Amen. Amen. That's good stuff. Your sixth is what the humans can produce. What human ability, human talent, human giftedness, human production, human effort. How many people do we know that have built amazing things? How many people do we know that keep on trying to do it all, keep on doing whatever they're doing? How many do we know that just they're just got it all? They're doing whatever. They talk a good game. They're just, how many do we know? Whether it's in the fortune or whatever it is, they're building whatever they're building. But they can't hold their marriage together. They can't hold their children together. They can't hold themselves together. Well, they got it all. They're doing it. If God is not in the middle of that, if his hand isn't on that, it is going to fall apart. Life will be in shambles if you're just building from here to here and you're not allowing God to put his seventh hand on top of your situation so he can complete the good work. See, that's not enough. The, the, the home, the family. See, the law of the home is a supernatural thing. This is the law of the home. That's why that scripture is so important. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Why? Because we want that seventh hand sitting on our home, yeah. on our lives. Yes. And too many times people, I don't know what it is. I ain't here to judge people. But Jesus says that you're going to be like, you don't have to really judge, but it says by their fruit. So that's something you can see. Don't, don't come fake worship and go act a fool outside. Your fruit should bear in all evidence. Let it be known everywhere. In the privacy of your home, 
So the grocery store, when the pastor or whoever isn't looking, how you your conduct, your, your who you are, the way you handle yourself, the way you carry yourself, your integrity, let it be known across the board. Not just because you come to church and you you look the part. No. Let it be known. It, it's real across America. There are people leaving churches because they have decided that they don't need the hand of God. That's unreal. How many churches have shut down? Not because of me. If I came to you and like, guys, listen, we're really in the bind right now with financial. Man, that pastor just don't do well. That team don't do well with their finances. No, I do well with our finances. You just don't give. You blame me. We're doing our best. But if you're not tithing, it ain't lasting. Right. Come on. But that's the seventh hand. That's the trust. You've like done all you can and you give it to God. He puts his hands on it and then you're blessed. Right. I'm not saying that about our church, but this happens. How many churches have shut down since 2020 is unreal. And even in our own community. It's unreal. People have a heart for God's house and have a heart for him in general. They will just do what the Bible says because they live by it. It's their creed. Because yeah. right. I can't do anything else but what this says. I'm not going to go anywhere else but what, what God wants me to go or where, wants me to go or wants me to do or wants me to say or whatever. Because I need the hand of I need to feel that on my neck. Yeah. Come on. I need your hand. Yeah. Sometimes that hand hurts, huh? You're like trucking away. <laughs> Son, I need to talk to you. <laughs> and you get so busy because, man, I'm doing good myself. Don't forget about the seventh hand. Don't get so you're doing all you can do. See, what happens is, is you start adding so many hands on your own. And, and it's, it's kind of how sin is. You have lies upon lies to cover up everything you keep doing. And you don't even know what the truth is anymore. And so you just go about, and then you don't even know what you're saying. You become an habitual liar, and you just talk on lies, and you don't even know where it all is. And you're so, and God's like, I just want to put my hand on your life. I just want to help you. Come here. Why do you keep running from me? Why do you keep blaming the people that are surrounding the church that it's all their fault? You come here. I want God's hand on my life. I desire God's hand on my children's life and my wife's life. But they're not going to go to heaven because of me. I, I will be an influence in their life, but they will choose who they're going to serve. Yeah. And there's nothing I can do about that. I mean, there's some stuff I can do why I have them, but when it's all said and done, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess. I'm not having to confess on behalf of somebody else. I have to confess for me. It's going to take the seventh hand, which is all of your effort, then comes the hand of God. It goes behind you to help raise your children. We're talking about families. It's very important that we have the hand of God in our lives. The seventh hand will bless everything your hand sets to do. When you say and you dedicate your life to God, He will bless it. The moment you start... There's a scripture I love so, so much. It says, why do you get so well? Don't become so well adjusted to culture that you just slip in and blend in without even realizing it. Yeah. 
If you do that, that means, honestly, the hand of God's not on your life. Because if it was, you would not be blending into culture. His hand would guide you out of that. He would, oh, scoot over. Oh, go this way. Oh, step there. But we dip so far back that we're so blended in. We need the hand of God. We need all of God in our lives. And so that, that affects us with our families. And God wants to say, he's always wanting to try to tell you, he's like, I just want to bless the works of your hand. I want to bless you, honestly. That's all I want to do. I want to bless you. I want to add the seventh hand to your sixth hand raise. There's a need for the extra hand. How many of you need a hand? <laughs> Sometimes you're in the middle of something. Man, I need a hand. Come on, somebody give me a hand. We need a hand. Like, God, I need your hand. I need your hand. It requires six hands of a man plus God's seventh hand to do things that only can be done by God to have a successful home, family, marriage, business, whatever the case is. We have to do our part. He wants to bless you. This is the law of the house. We say, we hear that kind of stuff and people, I don't know why, but people think that that stuff's optional. You know what I mean? Like people make that optional. Like, oh, it's, all right. it's just, you know, you know, it says I'm going to hurt anything. It's the law of the house. You can't just do it. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how educated how brilliant, how successful. Your money can't build it. You can't build it on your own. You can't have a God-centered family without God-centered in it. You have to have it. That means I've got to get up. I've got to bring my kids to church. Whether I feel like it or not, because I have to do my part. And then God will add his seventh hand. I got to do my part when I don't feel like doing my part. And then here comes the seventh hand. It's a cubit and a hand. I have to do my part. See, it's I have a large part of that. You have a large part of that. It's my job to teach my kids to pray. It's my job to intercede for my family. Amen. It's my job to call their names in prayer. And here's the thing. There's never a day that goes by that I don't pray for my children. It is our job, people. Church, family, it is your job to pray. Why? Because that's my part. That's your part. I do what I can do. Add the six. Then when I can't do anymore, when I can't do anymore, that's when he steps in. When I release them to go to college or to leave the house or no longer under my 
authority or whatever the case, the sixth hand has done all it could, and here comes the seventh hand. I've done everything I can. I've released them. I've tried. I've done all that I can do. Then here comes the seventh hand. Coming upon them to go wherever they go, the problem we face today, people, is you won't let them go. How can his hand be on them when you keep putting your hands over it? Let them go. That's the reality. I, is it hard? Absolutely. Was it hard for them? Absolutely. But the more you put your hand, have you done all you could? Yes. And if you have, you say yes. And then you say, God, I need your seventh hand. But when they start slipping and going, you got don't put your hand back on top. You've done your part. Let God do His. Amen. You are not the Holy Spirit. You are not Jiminy Cricket. You're not even the conscious. Let them go. I know that hurts, and it doesn't sit well with people. But if you keep putting your other hand, you become the seventh hand. How is God going to do anything? This, this is about family. This hurts. This stuff happens. Your greatness is not enough. Your talent's not enough. You need the seventh hand. I think about it with Elijah when there was this family. He's on the mountain. And the Bible says that he got down and prayed. Now look, there's a some stuff going on. Over three years, no rain, nothing, and you, you, you've got to pray. It's a dry season. Now look, we can take that literally about a dry season, or you can take that with your family a dry season. i got to pray. Have you prayed? Is prayer your first resort or your last? Prayer should always be first. Not coming to the pastor as your last resort to help me pray. No, you should already be engaged in prayer. I have some of my six hand widths to make the cubit so the seventh hand can do something about it. Come on. It has to begin with prayer. Oh. Prayer is our first weapon of choice, not our last resort. Amen. Not even our last retreat. I better pray. No, I'm standing in prayer. Elijah says that he bit down and he cried out to God. And when he started to pray, he told his servant, and I can just see him just bent down and lifted up. I need you to go over there and check. Can you go over there and look at the mountaintop? Can you go over there on the edge of the... Can you go see what's going on? Can you see if there's any signs? Can you see if there's any signs of a storm? It's been three and a half years. Because it's happened, there's no rain. And the servant runs. He runs over there. He's looking. No. And he goes back. He's like, no. And what's he do? Well, that's one. Let me get to the two. Gets back down and prays and prays again. And he says, I need you to go back over there and check it out again. <coughs> servant runs over there. Wait, I don't see anything. There's nothing. Runs back. Tells him. What's he doing? He's still praying. There's two. There's three. I got to keep praying problem we have is people stop in the middle because they don't see the results they want. Keep doing your part. Keep praying. He does it again. Go back. No, I don't see anything. Second time. No, I don't see anything. Go again. No, 
while, the, the, the servant's going to get a little upset. You know what I mean? But he doesn't. He, he keeps doing what he, okay, I'm going back. Why? Because what? I'm praying. I'm doing my sixth hand with the, the cubit of a man. I'm doing all I can do. I know i got to pray, and I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go by faith, and I'm going to see if, something's, if nothing's happening. Guess what? Keep praying. If you don't see your children doing what they need to be doing, keep praying. Keep falling on your knees. Quit fixing their problems. It makes it worse. They won't learn. You become the safety net and they're bailed out every time. Get on your knees and pray. Let them go through hell. That hurts, doesn't it? I've been through hell, I promise. Why? Because mom let it go and prayed. And the hand of God snatched me out of the fire. Because if mom would have snatched me out of the fire, I would have done served it for mom's sake. And went back to it even worse. This is family talk, guys. This happens with just not only kids, but adults and, and, and aunties and uncles and all kinds of stuff. We try to play God. We're not the seventh hand. Our job is to pray. He went six times and he came back. Sir, there's nothing I need you to go again. I'm not moving from this place until you go again. I've done all I can. I've reached my limit here. Go again. And you've got to go again. Go down on your knees again. Pray again. I don't see the results, but are you whole in yourself? Because he'll set you free. And do you want them free? Yes, but let them go so he can. Go again. He says he comes back and he says, there's something stirring. Something's happening. Something's happening. I went six times and nothing. He said, go back. What do you see? He said, on the seventh time, I've noticed something different. Something's stirring. On the seventh time, I started to see something. It was a cloud shaped like a hand. When I went the seventh time, there's a cloud shaped like a man's hand that's coming. And, and Elijah gets up and is beside himself. Hold on, you're telling me, I've done this six times. I've done all I can do. And the seventh time, the hand of God literally is looking and is forming and coming your direction. And Elijah loses his mind over it and takes off running. He saw something. He saw something. Whew. He's done everything. See, it's our job to pray for our family. It's our job to intercede for our family. It's our job to honor God and teach them and mentor them and encourage them and set rules. And it's our job to stay on it. It's our job to do all that. I'm glad he said, just go one more time. Just go one more time. And on the seventh time, the sixth was exhausting. I'm exhausted. But there's one more trip. He said, I saw it. I saw the seventh, a man, a cloud shaped like a man's hand coming. It's coming to help. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming with rain. The seventh hand is coming with rain to pour down, to pour down on the situation that has been so droughtful for so many years. We're not talking days or praying for days. They've been praying for years. But the rain came. Because he's faithful. And it can produce a crop in your house. 
But you've got to stay where God has you in prayer. When Elijah realized this, like I said, he lost his mind. He took off running. That man ran. He ran and he ran. He ran and he, he just, he, he was crazy. Because what happened was, is he just started running down the mountain. Like you saw the, you know, superheroes with the flash. The flash ain't got nothing on this guy. This man outran chariots and horses. This man takes off running and outruns the chariots and outruns and outruns the horses. And he is running. Why? Why did he take off? Why is he running? Because when the seventh hand gets involved, your expectation starts to rise up. And you can't help but tell somebody. The expectation of the seventh hand starts to rise up. And it comes. And something happens that you can't make happen. It happens because the seventh hand. See, his talents didn't make it happen. Your talents won't make it happen. Your connections aren't going to make it happen. But the hand of God will make it happen. That's why the Bible says that he will open doors that no man can open. Only the seventh hand is going to pull open or push and pull the door open. Only God can do it. And see, the thing is, is he took off running because there's an expectation. God's coming. The hand of God, that storm is coming. So everybody's scared of a storm. That storm meant the crops were going to be produced. That meant the rain was going to come and wash everything away. And he was running. He outran the chance and said, no, I'm going. There's an expectation. I got to get to the house. I got to go. I got to go. See, here's the problem. As the devil starts amping up, that's what he does. He amps up. He wants to take off. He wants to get in his chariot. He wants to get on his horses. He wants to do all that stuff. He wants to do all those things. He wants to attack you. But God, in his seventh hand, what does he do? What he's trying to do. What he's been trying to do. He's trying to raise up a generation that's going to outrun the horses of Ahab, outrun Jezebel, and tell the works of the Lord. Enough's enough, Ahab. Enough's enough, Jezebel. You're going to go. Enough's enough. The scripture of the day said, uh, if you have a Bible up, it said, uh, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but I, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Psalm 27. That's right. I ain't going to trust in anything else. I'm going to put all my trust in him. I don't care if it's on something crazy. If his hand's on it, I'm getting in the crazy. If it looks like it's broke down, busted, and disgusted, but his hand's on it, I'm getting in it. It don't have to fit your bill. God's looking for a generation to... You are the generation... Not like, oh, Generation X or Generation Z. Or, you're the generation now living, breathing to outrun this. To go tell. Ahab's got to go. Jezebel is getting tore up. You've got to run. Not, well, just... Uh, I just can't do it. How many steps did I take? Oh. Whoo. And no wonder, though, man, people, I mean, you, all the excuses we give, we, what we don't realize is we do the same thing with our walk with God. Well, I've only took this many. Oh, well, if I can, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there. We give excuses and we're just, 
casually just show up and we casually no I'm running to the house of the Lord I can't wait to get here I can't wait to lift him up I can't wait to gather together because I know the seventh hand is going to pour down rain that no one can handle get your floaties out we're going for a ride but if we just come like oh it's just Sunday well it's just whatever it is no I want the hand of God I want it on me I want it on me we're going to outrun it we're going to outrun Jezebel. We need it. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Yeah, the seventh hand makes us victorious. Yeah, the word of God makes us victorious. We need him. I ain't scared of the end times. The end times aren't happening to us. We are happening to the end times. Get running. Don't be scared. He's looking for someone to take a knee and bow down and pray and do all he can because God's hand is just waiting. Is he going to do it? Because I want to do it. I want to do it. I'm just waiting on the Lord. I wonder if God will. Did you do your part? Are you still trying to be his seventh hand? He don't need that. He needs you to do your part and you release him. And be obedient. I'm for real about that. I'm going to make a shirt that says that. The end times aren't happening to us. We're happening to the end times. So good. Yep. That's a mindset you change. That's a we declare war on the enemy. Yeah, we living in the last days? My goodness. Absolutely. This stuff's crazy. Are you scared? You need to check your soul. Because it's go time. It's time to outrun the chariots. Jezebel, you ain't got no hold anymore. Her story ends very crazy. Just watch out for the dogs. I'm saying this to you. When we do what we can do, the Bible says, train up a child. That's what he says, train up a child in a way. So basically what he's saying is, this is your part, train the child up in the way. This is what I should do. And here's the thing, when they get old, guess what? They may rebel. They may act big and bad and sassy. I don't know. Just wait to play Daniel for a minute. They may act big and bad. Or what's the word? Grown? Okay. I've been watering you. You ain't grown. You ain't watered yourself. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> they may. They may rebel. They may do all that. But see, there's a seventh hand, unseen hand, that comes in their life. And wherever they go, the hand won't let them go. They can go off to college. They can go to the bar. They can go to the club. But the hand won't let them go. The, hands, the hand won't let them go. And when they get through with them, when that hand of God gets through with them, what it does is it, it'll drag them back to the house of God. 
And then put him right in the seat. And then he'll say, now serve the God of your father. The hand of God won't let him go. Because there's a seventh hand involved in your life. The Bible says in Psalms 127.4. I hope this is good. I know I've said a lot. It's a lot. Just go back and watch it or something. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Is anybody in here dealing with struggle and conflict? Raise your hand. Don't feel ashamed. Okay. Can I tell you some good news about that? I want you to get this picture. He said your children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. The definition of a warrior is a person who engages in struggle and conflict. Anybody struggling? You got conflict? A person engaged, a person engaged, or a person engaged in some struggle or conflict. The definition of a warrior. Are you engaged? Are you engaged? Because listen, my children need a warrior. And he said, as arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the children. He's saying that the arrow is like our children. And they are to be in the hands of a warrior. But it's not just what the hands can produce. See, we need the seventh hand. The hand on, on my hand, on my children. And the, as my children are in my hand, the seventh hand's on my hand. If their destiny, if their calling, if their purpose is in my hands as arrows, what am I now, what I'm to do as a warrior with these kids, what am I, what am I going to do with them? If their destiny, their calling is in my hands, I'm the warrior, they're the arrows. What am I to do with them? One, you need the seventh hand. If they're the arrows, if they're the arrows, number one, they don't come sharpened like arrows. I am to shake them. I am to sharpen them. And I am to shoot them. The job of every warrior is to shake their children so God can use them. I am to shake them. That's what I do when I bring my kids to church. I'm to shake them. That's what I do when I pray. That's what I do when I do the best that I can. I'm to sharpen their lives. I'm sharpening their lives. And then at some point, and this is the hard part, they're only in our hands for a small window. At some point, there comes a time when you have to release them like arrows in a bow. There comes a moment when you have to release them. That's the hard part. If the warrior 
is the archer. And the children are the arrows. Then prayer is the bow. We have to pray for them. And we have to trust that what we've done is going to go with them. And always and always pray for our kids. Always pray for your children. Always pray for your family. Because the thing that sends your kids when they leave your house, we're to never stop praying as we send them. We're never to stop praying. As long as they have breath and as long as you have breath, keep praying for your children. Because our prayers are the bows that send our children. And they cannot soar without your prayers. I guess sometimes the question remains is, are we praying so they can soar? Are we complaining and trying to do everything else? And you wonder why they're not soaring. You're not helping giving wind to them. Just pray. Let the hand of God, let the breath of God just take them. They're better in His hands than yours. Honestly. Can't reach the highest places without our prayers. This is what warriors do. We are to build character with these arrows. And one day, we're going to send them off. And maybe you've already done that process. But one after another, we're going to release them. And they're going to go their own ways. And they're going to be directed. They're going to go. And here's the thing. If they're arrows and we're the archer and prayer is the bow, guess what we do as parents? We release them in the direction that we feel fitting as what God has laid on our hearts. We release them. So we'll release them. And what happens after you just keep praying? And only a matter of time you only have this one moment to sharpen and you have this one moment to shape and you have this moment that you shoot them out and some parents are like, man, I've been shooting them out and they keep coming back. <laughs> you have this moment to shoot them out and to speak into their lives. Because it's very important. Listen to these words. It's so important that we teach our children this. Nobody but you. Nobody but you. Listen to this. Courage. Characters of these words. Courage. Courtesy. Discernment. Fairness. Gentleness. Generosity. Honest. Honesty. Kindness. Obedience. Humility. Self-control. Patience. Persistence. Thankfulness. Who's going to teach your children the zeal of the Lord? Who's going to teach them? Who's going to teach them the difference between laziness and work? We are. Who's going to teach them? Who's going to assign them responsibilities? Teach them the link between success and work. Who's going to put your children? Who's going to, who's going to put limits on your children? We are. You are. Why they're in your hands. Put limits on their life. Who's going to teach them? Because if you don't, the world will. 
Hear me that loud and clear. If you don't teach your children, the world will. You wonder why they do some of the stuff they do? They've learned it on the phone mostly. It's crazy. Like, where'd you learn that at? Oh, I watched the video. Put, you've got to teach the children. Because the world will. And, 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 and this isn't a part of the teaching, guys. Do what I say, not as I do. That doesn't teach them anything. You do what I say, but then you live the same lifestyle. And you do the same thing. I've heard that happen before. Kid was cussing. You better stop cussing. You don't cuss. That's not right. It's wrong. It's not good. You cuss. Well, I'm the adult. <laughs> That's what we're using now? I'm the adult. You act more childish than your child. Seriously. We live our life as an example. So we, we, we practice what we preach. That's how we're going to help these families. That's how we're going to help our families. That's how things are going to change. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 3.13 that Eli's sons made themselves vile. And he did not restrain them. Eli. His sons were buck wild, and he did nothing to restrain them. Notice the father of the children. Listen, these kids were acting so crazy, doing wrong and moral things, and he did nothing to restrain them. The job of a warrior and every parent is not to ignore these kids that are going crazy. Don't ignore them. But shake them. Don't act like it didn't happen. But shake them. If you read the story of Eli, it's Buck Wild. His kids acted a fool and he did not, he just made an excuse for them. Gave them too many excuses. Well, you know, they're just going, well, they just, uh, well, they, it cost Eli his life. And whether you want to physically think it cost you your life, it might cost you your ministry, it might cost you the peace of, and the hand of God on your life. You've got to speak. God gave you that for a reason. You do all you can and let the hand of God come. It's our job as warriors. Is this good stuff? I got it. Yes. Oh, man. I'm going to close with uh, one more story. We'll get out of here. We as warriors, we have to do our part. God has called us to do a part. And as we shape it and sharpen these, these kids and the people that God has given us to have in our life, we have to do our part, like we said, the sixth hand. It's the law of the house, right? That's what he says. His seventh hand is going to come upon it. So when they go out to college and when they get in the temptation and when they get all kinds of stuff going on, they'll remember and know that the hand of God that was on you can be on them. They have choices to make. We can't make it for them. 
There's no way that we're going to be able to make it without the hand of God. There's a story. David. And a man named Goliath. And, you know, six hand widths is one cubit. And they said that Goliath was six cubits tall. Which came out to be nine foot six inches. That's a big man. He would cause some damage on the basketball court or any court he played on. And six of the number of man, the number of man's influence, and it said Goliath was six cubits tall. If you read your Bible, it's pretty interesting because it also says that Goliath had six hands or six fingers and six toes. Which is a crazy thing. And if you hear it, you've got this six, six, six. And in Revelations, the number of the Antichrist is six, six, six. The cubit of a, the, of, of a man's hand is six hand widths. Makes one cubit. It's the only thing that man can do. And so when, when and, and this is how the devil works, and this is how he tries to mess with you. Because he wants to be God, the Antichrist wants to be God so bad, he gets going, he gets up to six and can't do anything. He gets going, he gets up to six because he can't do anything else. Because that's all man can do. And he gets going, and like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to get up to six because he can't do anything else. Because you can't do anything else without the hand of God. And so when David went to slay Goliath, Goliath represented as like an antichrist, this six cubit, this six-handed, six-foot fingered giant. David comes running, and he has the hand of God on his life. That seventh hand destroys Goliath with one rock. How many smooth stones did he have to grab? There's a few. But do you realize that it wasn't the seventh hand that did the work? David's the one who threw it. The seventh hand was upon it. He did the work. But God was upon it. He did his job. But God was upon it. And God, I'm telling you, he wants to do something incredible. If we can get outside of ourselves. If we can get away from, from ourselves and realize there is an enemy that wants to kill, steal, and destroy your life. He's looking for you. Have you done all you can do? You can put it in Have you done everything you can do? Have you done your part? And, and it's the 
same in the family. It's the same in the church. Listen, this church ain't going to go anywhere without the hand of God. Bottom line, I don't care what kind of programs or what, whatever the case is, and God, get yeah, God's for it. It's all tool, whatever it is, but if the hand of God is not on it, it's not going to work. Might as well shut it down. You can do all you can do. Listen, if the hand of God's not on your family, it's going to fall apart. That's right. But what if my family's this and this? What did the word say? Pray. Do you see anything yet? No. Okay. When you do all you can do, you keep praying and watch the hand of God. And it's just like the church. Because we can't do anything. Are we doing all we can do? Have you done all you can do? So one hand breath. Maybe that represents us here. Maybe one of those hand breaths is the host and the greeters. Are we doing all we can do here at Remnant Church? Maybe another one is the youth. Maybe another one is the kids. Maybe production and then the media and all the stuff we get all this going. Maybe another one is the parking lot team, so on and so forth. Whatever it is, are, are we doing all we can do? Are we doing our part? Are you doing your part as the body of God? Are we doing our part? See, the seventh hand won't come until everything is in its place. Hear me on that. Moses had to put the furniture in its place for the glory to come. The glory won't come until things are in its place. The glory didn't come until Moses read the scripture about the tent and where everything had to sit. Until it got put where it needed to go, the glory did not show up. But when everything got put in its place, the glory came. Are you doing everything you can? Have you done everything you can? Have you done your part? We serve a good God. Get in your place. I don't know where you are with this cubit of a man. I don't know if you're on three, four, if you've not even begun. Whatever it is, get in your place. Don't minimize what you do. Don't minimize your giving. Are you doing all you can do? Even in this house. Don't minimize serving. See, all that is a, heart, a part of the handbrake. Don't minimize it. See, it's the handbrake that's called the body of Christ. Christ sees what we can do and then he has a seventh hand. And that's why we need to be in one accord. Stand with me. That's why your family's important. I don't know what it is for you today. He's going to sing this is a time of reflection. Have you done all you can? 
Are you just now getting started? Because I know for a fact, I need a seventh hand in all situations. What I have to look at is, have I been doing everything I can on my own? God's wanting us. That's the law of the house. If that's the law of the house, and we can act like children sometimes, like, I don't like that rule. We've all been there. But why does God give us rules anyway? Because he's trying to, he's the, he's got you as an arrow too. He's trying to shape you and form you. He's like, man, this one's going to fly real far. I'm going to get ready for this one. Oh, they're going to do amazing things. I'm going to lift them up in prayer. I'm going to lift them up in prayer. I'm going to shoot them out, and I'm going to lift them up in prayer. What are you doing? Because if it's not been working for you, let's try something else. It might be slow. It might be hard. Might pop just like mine did. But you might have to just start there. That's our first line of defense and offense. All the above is pray. I'm going to have him sing. And I just, everybody's at a different place. I don't know if you're just like, hey, I'm right here in the middle of this. I'm right, I'm right here on the edge. I'm right, getting ready to get to the tip of this. Keep having faith. Keep looking. That seventh hand is coming. No, because he said, I would, if you want the glory to come, I need you to put the, the cumin and a hand with it. I need you to do all you can do, and then I'm going to put my hand in it. I need, you to get the, I need you to get the house ready, and then the glory's going to come. I need you to get things prepared, and then we're going to do this. Because if we do what we always do, we're not going to be prepared for what he has in store for us. So we got to get everything from the house, this house, to your house. Because your house should be a reflection of this house. This house should be a reflection of your house. If you really have a heart for God's house, it all should be a reflection. And now that, that right there, that's hard. I'm telling you right now, that's hard stuff. Because maybe your house don't reflect the house of God. Because, but what if Jesus knocks on your door without you knowing it? Are you prepared? I need to come to your house. Zacchaeus, today I'm coming to your house. What if he mentions your name? Or is your house ready right now for me to come over? Some of you have a fit if I walked in your house right now. This is the reflection. What am I doing? I want the seventh hand, but I got to do my work and it's got to be a reflection. So I got to look at it as the house of God and I got to look at it as my house personally and I got to give my kids to the Lord. Because what? What has been working? You are to shape them. And yes, do they... Uh, back talking do crazy yes and what if they're at that stage where they're not with you and you have released them and you're still trying to hold on let them go <laughs> how can an arrow fly if you have a string attached to it <laughs> point back <laughs> you ever seen that baseball that hooks to your wrist you throw it and you go <laughs> how would you ever let your child go if you would never let them go well they don't know I have them hooked you they have well, I don't want them to fall, but how are they going to learn to get up? That I got to fall. You have me face down in worship so I can't get up. That's where it's at. Let's sing that. And we're going to pray. Just take a time right here. Just This is a lot to chew on.
I know we went on a, a little journey, a little time in history today. We receive. We receive glory. Just a few moments, just help us, God. Seventh hand, help us. God, help me do what I can do. As the cubit of a man, help me do my part, my sixth hand with God. God, I know six is the number of human influence and, and the number of man, but God, I can't, we can only go so far with man. We need you. We need your presence. We need your glory. God, I can only go so far with my kids, but I need you, God, to guide them the rest of the way. And when I shoot them out, God, I need you and your wind to lift them up so they can soar further than I could ever take them. faith to keep on my knees when I when I want to get up. I'm biting my lip because I want to say something, but I got to keep praying and looking to the clouds, looking to the hand that's coming to bring the rain. Give me self-control, God. Let my pride fall. Forgive me, God, for being so prideful that's affecting the people around me. Give me for going on this journey, just doing it my way. I need your hand, God, to guide me in wherever I go, God. Forgive me for just going my own path, trying to figure it out for myself. I need you. You know what's best. You're the greatest GPS. You're the greatest direction. You're the best compass we need. To the sky, help me with